Hey everybody, this is John Tady welcoming you back to Pop Mom, the podcast where culture is relative. Yes, it's time again for my mom, Bonnie Tady, to share her view of pop culture, small town life, and those riddles of human nature. On this episode, we discuss the classic comedy film, Airplane. Let's bring mom in now. Hi, mom. Hi, Johnny. Look what I got. Look what I got. Oh, mom's showing off a new microphone that she got. Um, it's pink. Oh, I forgot <laughs> to turn the camera off, though. I don't like to have I the know. cameras on. I know. So I'm turning mine off right now. See. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now I can't see mom at all. So she could be giving me the finger for all I know. That's I my would guess. I never, but... ever do that. <laughs> never. Well, I might. Behind your back. In front of your back, even. Um, It's been very cold here, as I know it has been there. Uh, Have you had lots of snow? We had a little snow, but then it was just the the cold, the oppressive, stinging cold, um, the kind of cold that makes the wood on our back deck just seem to scream out in protest every time you step on it. I just... Um, and you want to scream out in protest when you step outside, too. <laughs> no, it, it just, it's bitter. It's bitter here also. It freezes your nose hairs instantly. Yes, I was going to say that, then I thought better of it. <laughs> I didn't think better of it at all. Yeah, that those nose hairs just freeze right together when you step outside in this stuff. And it's God, so weird. Oh, God help you if you maybe are a slob like me and uh, have dripping water in your beard from taking a drink because uh, that'll freeze mm. right up too. I took a quick drink in the kitchen before I uh, zipped out the back door <laughs> the other day and I should have wiped myself off because then I just had like a halo of ice around my mouth, it felt like. Oh, Lord. <laughs> it's it's tough. You yeah. Know, it's, it makes you feel it, lucky for what you got, for sure. That is me. true. That's true. Uh, did we, were you watching the football last weekend? I know you're a big NFL fan. Uh, n- no, but I was glad to see the Eagles lose. Um, I don't follow football very much, but I, I do follow uh, the Celtics. Oh, yeah. Okay. Faithfully. This is, this is a question. We may have discussed this before. Our announcer is, this is his last year. Mike Gorman. Mike Gorman has done the play-by-play for the Boston Celtics broadcasts uh, for many, many years now. Like 43, was 43, it, really? Was it? Wow, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. And I loved him when he was with Tommy Heinsohn, who Daddy was not a big fan of in his later years. But I just loved him because he disliked every call that the refs made, and I... I uh, celebrated that with him. Tommy hated the refs, yeah. Um, Hated the refs. He was a known homer in that respect. Um, And let's be fair to Dad. I don't think he would want the only statement on the record uh, to be that he didn't like Tommy Heinsohn. No, no, no. I think he grew a little annoyed with Tommy's habits, like heckling the refs and... um, And eating peanut M&M's. 
Oh, That's about did. all he did at the... <laughs> know that one. But <laughs> Dad loved end. Tommy, as did yes. all uh, Boston Celtics fans. Uh, he was like, a, not only was he a great player in his day and coach, um, but he was like a mascot for the team uh, as his broadcasting career wore on. But you're talking about Mike Gorman, the more mild-mannered play-by-play guy who's been doing it for so long. And it's very good, in my opinion. Very Though I good. haven't heard him in a few years. Well, Dad says he slips up here and there, but I don't really care because our new announcers right now for away games are Scal, Brian Scalabrini, and a new fella named Drew Carter, who I just can't stand. And I'm going to be so upset if he's our new guy. What, uh, What failings do you see in him? Well, I think he has a great voice. He has a great uh, good start announcing voice, which is is really nice. Except that he likes to get, he likes to give everybody a nickname, and I'm sure he's hoping they all stick. And he gets um, inside buddyish with Scal, and Scal can hold off for a bit. But then he falls into it, and it's like listening to two frat boys sitting on the couch trying to amuse each other, and it's very annoying. They stop announcing the game, and they're just silly. Now, I followed Drew on Instagram so that I could send him a message. Oh, no. Oh, no. Which I did. Uh Uh-huh. And I started off saying... You have a great voice. Mm-hmm. It's not much fun to listen to you. Act silly and give everybody nicknames. And it seems okay. like all you're all the amusing. stuff that you just complained about to me. You, I said, to said him. to him directly. Okay. Now, Dad thinks that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> but why? Why is it funny? Uh, do you, did he reply to you? I assume not. I, well, you assume correctly. I don't think he's reading his uh, Instagram comments, first of all. Well, he should be. Well, that's neither here nor there, is it? He should be a lot of things, according to you, that he isn't. Um, and I, uh, if I were advising him, I would say, oh, never look at those comments. Good Lord, never, ever. Just throw your phone in the ocean before you open up the comments on any of that Instagram (laughs) stuff is what I would tell him. So I think it's healthy for him not to be looking at that stuff. Did you, you send him like a direct message? I don't really know how it works on the Instagram. Yeah, not, not, not so everybody could see it. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Well, that was thoughtful of you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not looking to humiliate him. (laughs) And I, you know, I think he would do a good job if he would just, and I, you know, I don't mind a little, Silliness. Yeah, of course. But right. it's forced is the, the real problem that, yes. you're, that you have, right? It's not right. funny. Hey, if it, it were funny and you were laughing at an appropriate moment, you'd never write in. You'd just say, right. hey, that guy's funny. Even though, really, you should let them know when they do a good job, too. Right, Mom? Well, I started off saying... Well... You know, yeah. I started off oh. saying you have a great voice and the... Yeah, I guess that's all I said. It's like when uh, Anna, my wife, says to me, now you know I love you 
so much and uh, till the Here till the end of days butt. and you're just sitting there thinking oh boy oh boy this is trouble um, yeah so yeah he not that he read it but if he did he would understand that you were just blowing smoke for that portion so that you could get to your real complaint all right but he doesn't know me and i don't know him and what if that's really good advice <laughs> well <laughs> I'm sure he gets advice from all corners, and he has to pick and choose what he takes. And um, I just don't think random crank on Instagram ought to rank very high on his list, even if I think you're 100% correct. All right. Fair enough? I guess. I mean, it sounds to me like you're right. It sounds to me like a young, nervous announcer who's... Yeah. Uh, just announce the game and let everything else flow from that. Right. You can right. never go wrong talking about what's happening on the court or on the field or whatever the case may be. Um, and, and, and things get tense. I agree because I often find myself watching the game and the announcers want to talk about, oh, well, this coach might be leaving at the end of the year and then a blowout, sure. But sometimes, when the game is still being contested, sometimes they drift, and you feel like a little bit of a loser for wanting to watch the game. <laughs> it's like, uh, <laughs> hey, guys, uh, can we talk about this thing? I'm kind of alone over here. You're supposed to be watching this with me, right? Yeah, right. And, yeah, it does get a little tense. I know what you're talking about, for okay. sure. Okay. All right. So I'm not being unreasonable. I should just keep it to myself. Well, you're perfectly free to let the person know what you think, and I'm glad you did it in a polite and constructive way. I'm just saying I hope he doesn't make it the habit of browsing his Instagram mentions or what have you. Um, you know, remember that Joe Buck book we read? I think yeah. we were going to talk about it on the podcast, and then we just decided, oh, it's too sad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Joe Buck's autobiography... Uh, had some amusing anecdotes in it, about 20% as much as you would have hoped, really. But but he sure did talk about his loss of hair. <laughs> well, he was so self-conscious and more than self-effacing, just seemed like down on himself. And I just felt like, Joe, do you really believe all the things that sports fan idiots have said about you all these mm. years? And it felt like he kind of did. And I just wanted to say... Hey, you've had a successful career. You're good at your job, and yeah. um, it's in an, it's a no win profession in terms of yeah the scorn you inevitably get from hyped up sports fans. But I just wanted to give Joe Buck a hug and say, Hey, man, pick yourself <laughs> up. Have a little yeah. confidence. I'm yeah. like I'm with you, man. Um, but he was just so down in the dumps. Oh man. I feel like he would read the Instagram thing and take it to heart. And that's why I say, no, no, don't do that. Figure it out. Well, And I feel also, like this guy might figure it out. I hope he does. Because I think he would be a great, uh, it would be great to have a young person come in to do this that could take over for years and years and years. That would be yeah. fantastic. But if he's going to, he only does the away games now because Mike doesn't travel anymore. Um, but what I'm finding is that an announcer can really make or break the game. Yeah, it does make sometimes. a big difference. Yeah. yeah. Um, the 
Patriots, when they were good, when they were the best, would always get the best announcers, no matter what network you were on. So oh. you'd spend most of the year listening to Jim Nance or Al Michaels or yeah. um, Joe Buck, you know, these all the number one teams, sometimes right. the number two guys. Um, but you were listening to the cream of the crop. And now, because the Patriots stink, um, we've been getting the bottom tier announcers, some of whom I like. Um, you know, I think there's some plucky, good crews uh, near the bottom of the network pecking order because it's still a national mm-hmm. broadcast, so there's right. it's still good talent. Um, but yeah, sometimes they stink, and sometimes it's not. You know, I notice not just the announcers, but also just the quality of the production and um, the graphics and the mistakes that creep in there, or you yeah. know, bad timing or bad segues, whatever it may be. But it just doesn't hang together as well. And um, I guess I'll go back to something I said earlier. I sometimes start to feel like a little bit of a loser for watching the game because I just feel like. <laughs> I feel a little alone um, and because I don't have that voice that's n- narrating it in a way that sweeps me up in the flow of the game, uh, right. like the best uh, announcers and the best production crews can do. It really makes a big difference. It is a TV show. Uh, you know, we think we're, we're yes. watching a game, but we're watching a right. TV show. When I was writing my football column, I once wrote a column about... Um, trying to help people understand how a sports broadcast is like 20-second chunks at a time, and you're just producing these little chunks, and they string along, and you somehow make it to the end of two or three hours, and you've put together a broadcast, but it's just these little chunks. And football, it's a play, you know? And basketball, right. it's maybe an up-and-down-the-court, um, what have you. And then in between, you've got the 20-second 20 bit of filler, Right. Um, Or the checking the stats or looking over this particular replay. But um, it's all these little pieces that you have to keep stringing together on the fly. And um, we perceive all those rhythms um, in a subconscious way. Here's the other thing with the broadcast. When Drew is with Brian Scalabrini, he and he encourages uh, Brian to stray off the course. And the other night there was a. Uh, player from another team that was uh, playing against us and and Scal said uh, he saved my life once and it's like whoa here comes a story and he said well it's too long (laughs) so so I I'm still thinking about it (laughs) I want to hear that story but I'm never going to hear it that's the one bit of extracurricular that uh, Drew did not follow up on. Is that what you're saying? You would have I, liked he to hear tried... him drift off the path on that one. Well, I would have liked to have heard the story. He, he said, oh, he really saved my life. That's, that sounds interesting, don't you think? Um, the last broadcast of Thursday Night Football this year, which is where Al Michaels is now, um, and I love Al, but he's not as good with this guy uh, that he's paired with on Amazon, a guy named Kirk uh, Herbstreet. And he's old, you know, like Al's really old, and we all fade with time, and I think he's still doing a great job for his age, but... Um, this was a um, particular example in the final broadcast of my disappointment with Al. Um, 
they get to talking about Howard Cosell, because Al made an offhand joke about Howard. And um, Kirk said, did you ever do games with Howard? Which, of course, Al <laughs> did. Um, and, and he probably should know that. But Al said, oh, yeah, I did eight years of baseball with, uh, with Howard. And Kirk said, oh, what was that like? And Al said, some of the greatest stories of all time came out of that pairing. That was, that was an interesting pairing. And then like 10 seconds of silence. <laughs> and I just thought, Al, and it was a blowout. Like the game was not important at this point. He could have told a couple stories, but, um, you know, and I get it. He and Howard did not really get along great, not well, because of Howard Al. Get along yeah, well, with? that's what I was about to say. Yeah, because Howard didn't get along with anyone. His ego didn't accommodate anyone no. else in the universe, really. Um, and Al didn't want to insult the guy, I guess, but I don't know. He's Howard Cosell. He's been dead for years and years, and he was constantly insulted when he was alive. Just tell us a story. Yeah, Al, but it's a little story. No. Al doesn't have it in him anymore. Well, you know, Al never did have it in him because I read his book, too. <laughs> That's true. His book and stunk. His his book was terrible. Mom, all I have for my next bullet point, all I have is Craigslist. So okay. that's my well, setup me... for you. Take it away. All right. This is a very short one. Okay. Short story. But uh, I like to browse Craigslist, well, almost daily. Just, no, no. Probably weekly I take a look at Craigslist. Um, or Facebook Marketplace. And a woman, somewhat local, advertised that she had four reams of laid paper. L-A-I-D. Paper. And I asked her what it was, and she said, uh, I don't know. I know it was very expensive. <laughs> so I Googled okay. it. And it can be very expensive. It can be up to $50 for a ream of it. So $50. I was intrigued. Wow, yeah. okay. Do you know what it is? No. Well, it's 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 paper that is uh, manufactured in a certain way so that it has very 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 tiny ridges that are that are imprinted on the paper at a certain part in the processing. Apparently, it's a thing. So it was just in Lebanon. Well, wait, thought, to what end does it have ridges? I don't... So what? Well, it makes a nice quality paper, I guess. If you Google it, you'll see what I'm talking about. I thought you Googled it for me, and you can't explain what what good it is. I just did. No, I you... Well, that was... What benefit does do the ridges <laughs> give you? It's just a nice quality of paper. <laughs> You can't even explain the quality, but you have decided has, to buy it. It has ridges in it so that like it's... ruffles. <laughs> ruffles as and ruffles is a quality potato chip. Don't get me wrong. I love a ruffle. But I when I think of ridges, oh, I want my paper to have ridges. The next time I put pen to paper, I want it to be all bumpy. It's not ridges. That's what you said. It, ridges is your word. <laughs> it's an imprint. <laughs> like, oh, um, God, an imprint. What? <laughs> anyway. You don't even know what this is. Okay, you went to Lebanon. <laughs> so she, she gives me some directions to her house. And, of course, Dad goes with me. And... She lives in a trailer park that 
you know, I didn't even know was up there. But we we get there, and I have to say, throughout my life, I am continually shocked and surprised. Now, I, I am not a housekeeper, which is why we have a house cleaner that comes every week. But our house is habitable and inviting, warm, friendly, I think. When I pulled up to this place and I went up to the door, she opened it and you couldn't even step inside. She must have brushed half an inch, an inch of cat hair off the paper. It was freezing cold and I I just felt so terrible for her that it, I think I haven't looked at Craigslist since then. What was the stuff blocking the way? Oh, vases and cords and just unidentifiable clutter. Yeah. Um, and did you purchased some of the paper, though? Or... I did. Yeah. But I can't bring it into the house because I'm afraid our cat will pee on it. Uh, so you're just going to leave it out for the crows? <laughs> they will appreciate the quality of it in Listen. a way that I cannot, I think. Listen to me. Listen to me, you. I want to tell you something. Uh, we had a snowstorm over the weekend, and those crows were down there looking for that turkey leg that they knew was there. Yeah, because they were hard up, right? And they knew you'd come through for them? Is that what you... Yes. Yeah. I That's saved nice. their lives. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good. What did you have a turkey leg for? And I'm not, I'm not getting into this again. I'm not, We're not... <laughs> All right. We're running along. We got we to gotta move okay. along to the review. I'm Good sorry. God. I'm sorry. This week, Mom and I are talking about Airplane. You ready, Mom? I'm ready. In the summer of 1980, Paramount released a movie directed by the little-known comedy writing trio of David Zucker, Jim Abrams, and Jerry Zucker, or Zaz, as they called themselves. The film was Airplane, a disaster film parody with a wide-ranging, anarchic comic sensibility that expanded the universe of jokes you could make on the big screen. The performances fuse Zaz's shamelessly silly wordplay with a deadpan delivery that never lets up. Airplane was successful enough in a box office sense, but also enduringly influential. It's so baked into the culture at this point that it's not uncommon to hear someone quoting Airplane without realizing they're quoting Airplane. Here's a clip. The stewardess said... Both pilots. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Doctor, I've checked everyone. Mr. Stryker's the only one. What flying experience have you had? Oh, I flew single-engine fighters in the Air Force, but this plane has four engines. It's an entirely different kind of flying, altogether. It's, it's an, an entirely, entirely different, different kind, kind of, of flying. flying. Airplane is available to Amazon Prime Video subscribers, and you can get it on your DVD, and I'm sure it's on the TV every once in a while, so you can track it down. Mom, was Airplane flying high, or did you pick the wrong week to stop sniffing glue? Well, well that's a terrible segue. <laughs> <laughs> um, this movie had everything <laughs> that, that I hate. Flying disasters, yep. throwing up, <laughs> and 
corn by the bushel. Now, I watched it with somebody that laughed through the whole thing. And that was fun. When you say corn by the bushel, you mean that there's plenty of corny jokes in it. Oh, yes. Oh, Lord, yes. (laughs) I mean, yes. It didn't lack for stars. But this movie was so stupid, I, <laughs> I find it just hard to believe that it, I ever laughed at it when it first came out. And I'm sure I did. Are you sure? No, I'm not sure. Yeah. I thought I'm I was trying sure to be either. nice. This movie was so stupid. I, I, I can't even recommend it to people. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine... Being Robert Hayes and saying, this was my finest moment in Hollywood. Robert Hayes plays the hero, uh, a shell-shocked ex-army pilot who's forced to uh, land this passenger jet after um, the because fish dinner makes everyone up. sick. And yes. makes them all throw up. Uh, yeah, it's actually based on a real uh, airplane disaster film called Zero Hour. Robert Hayes is the hero. Um, we also have uh, Leslie Nielsen as the doctor on the plane. Now, to me, Leslie Nielsen is like a force of nature in this movie. He, I find him irresistibly funny because he plays it so deadpan. There's almost a naive beauty to Leslie's performance because, I mean, he was so funny in the Naked Gun movies and um, in a bunch of other stuff besides. All of the stuff he made late in life was quite terrible. But um, he was a funny guy, but he didn't understand how he was funny in this movie. Um, (laughs) So there's a sort of beautiful naivete to his deadpan um, not that he didn't know it was a comedy film, but he's right. just playing it as this straight doctor, and he um, he's talked about how he would be at the at a screening and people were laughing, and he didn't entirely understand what he was doing that was so funny. But uh, I just love him in this movie. Don't call me, <laughs> please don't call me Shirley. Shirley. The yeah. exchange with the pilot. When will we be able to land? I can't tell. Uh, you can tell me I'm a doctor, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. He says, can't you make a guess? Well, not for another two hours at least. <laughs> says, you can't make a guess for at least another two hours. <laughs> and he just is so straight with it. If he winked at all or you know, smirked at all, even under his skin, it would not be as funny as it is um, the way he played it. Mom, I had us do this uh, movie, and I want to give a little plug here. Uh, I had us do this movie because I recently read the book, Surely You Can't Be Serious, The True Story of Airplane. This is in bookstores oh. now. It came out a couple months ago. It's an oral history of the film. It says on the wait, cover... Wait. An, an oral history? What do you mean? It's well, a book. it's all interviews, though. It's all... Oh. It's a book, but it's like this extended interview with um, Zucker, Abrams, and Zucker. And um, their name is on the cover. But I want to tell you, people, Will Harris, an old buddy of mine from the AV Club, his name is on the inside cover, I see here, so that's good at least. He did all the interviews for this and all the research, and he really put this book together. And it's such a funny book. 
It gives you great insight into the making of the movie, um, how it became the way that it was. It's got a ton of quotes from the people involved and the people influenced by it. It's almost as much fun as the movie itself. I know that's not a great sell to you, Mom, but I want to tell you, if you find this movie funny, you will enjoy the book. Surely you can't be serious, and great job, Will. Shout out to Will Harris for uh, putting this very funny piece of pop culture history together. Um, so I have an added appreciation for the movie, obviously, having read this book. And, yeah, well, you uh, have some inside, yeah. uh, insider information there. Would, would you like the book? Would a person like the book if they didn't love the movie? I think they might even acquire an appreciation for the movie if mm. they read the book. Um, but they also might say, what a bunch of boneheads, the same way they would watch in the movie. And they're, you know, Zaz, they're totally okay with that. I mean, they yeah. talk about how stupid, um, like uh, one of them makes mention of the no smoking sign that there's a shot of for two <laughs> seconds. And it lights up and it says no smoking uh and then the it says it in Spanish underneath, but the Spanish is like El no smoka, El right, Gua no right. smoka, or something like that, right? And um, I think uh, Jim Abrams says, you know, that's just as stupid as it gets. <laughs> um, I love that the movie does have a structure and a through line of this um, airplane disaster. And this is what I think was so innovative and influential, among many other things. But one of the innovative things they did is, you know, they'll take a break in the middle of the movie to have a flashback that parodies Saturday Night Fever uh, or right. the yes. making out on the beach scene. Um, I think from here to eternity is what <laughs> from, that yeah. Um, yeah. was sending up. Right. And the wave, that's intense <laughs> wave comes over them. Wow. <laughs> and almost washes them away. Um, it. It's not just a send-up of disaster films. It's a broader pop culture parody, but it's not... Um, you know, they had made an earlier movie called Kentucky Fried Movie, um, directed by John Landis, that was basically a series of sketches um, and a cult hit, but not a movie that sort of held together and developed things the way that uh, Airplane does. There's a mix of plot structure and complete zaniness and chaos in it that I find yeah. really appealing. It is a whole movie. It does, yeah. you know, have a beginning, middle, and end. <laughs> that's um, the nicest thing you can say about it. Uh, well, I, I mean that sincerely. Uh, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a little too corny for me. Um, I did love uh, seeing no TSA. Uh, you know, come on, everybody, everybody <laughs> yeah. get on and bring whatever you want. And that, that, those sort of things are, are fun. Um, the, the smoking and non-smoking section, and you probably don't remember this, but it was sort of the back eight, eight rows could smoke. And then the ninth row was non-smoking <laughs> so, <laughs> with no accommodation to prevent that uh from traveling yeah of course not uh, well like he gets that. the i actually wrote down one of my favorite gags is he's at the ticket desk and he <laughs> um the Requests. clerk asks him uh smoking or non-smoking and he says smoking and she hands him a ticket and the ticket is smoking, smoking. You know, like there's smoke yeah. coming out of it and um okay corny 
to be sure. Um, you know, it made me laugh just because of the timing and the surprise of it. You could say that about 90% of the jokes in the movie. Um, but what makes me fall in love with the joke is he gets on the plane um, and the ticket is still smoking, but there's no mention made of it. Like, even right. the execution of that joke is deadpan. Like, he looks at his ticket, um, and there's smoke coming out of it, and the woman next to him is looking at him, but she doesn't start a conversation about, like, what's wrong with your ticket? She starts a conversation about being afraid of flying or what have you, and the smoking ticket is just totally normal in this world. Um, but they commit to it. Like, the joke is over at the ticket desk. To have it still smoking on the plane, and I think, like, there's a scene in between. What about the guy waiting in the taxi? Like, in the very first scene, <laughs> Robert Hayes is driving this guy in a taxi, and he says, I'll be right back. Right back. And then the entire movie <laughs> happens, and every once in and a while... And he sets the meter. They, yeah, he sets the meter. I forgot he sets the meter and then gets out so I'll be right back um, every once in a while we cut back to this guy who's sitting in the taxi still waiting as the entire um, film plays out um, yeah there's such commitment to some of the jokes that d seem to deserve no commitment at all yeah um, one, one of the things that I found surprising was I, uh, and I may have even said this to Daddy when we started watching it. Was I wonder how offensive this is going to be? You know, because things we used to say that we don't say now. And I, I just, I didn't write down anything. I mean, it was stupid, but it wasn't offensive. If people want to take offense, um, I recognize that it is our modern pastime. Um, there are certainly things to take offense to, but you have to work at it. Um, you know, I think like of the jive talking scenes where um, there's these two black guys uh, yeah. talking in a lingo that um, white people are unable to penetrate, and there's like subtitles for uh, white people on the screen. Uh, it's, uh, according to the book, the, uh, two actors actually helped to write, um, that, that back and forth, um, because oh. they said what was in the script was just total nonsense. Um, uh, but like, there's things you could take offense at, but you, like I said, you'd have to work for it. Um, Definitely. so yeah, I think that there's sexual, um, innuendo and sexual non-innuendo, just in your face sex stuff that you would not find in a movie today, but mm, we're all adults. You know, I hate this type of conversation. Anyway, yeah, I do like, too. Grow up. Dad especially liked the, the kid telling Kareem that his his dad thinks he's he, he's lazy and doesn't try hard enough and I, I, I found that scene really charming. Dad said that's the one scene he actually remembered from seeing the movie originally. But I loved that scene. So many people remember that scene. I actually don't really care for it because both Kareem and the kid are such terrible actors. And that's part <laughs> of the joke. They actually yeah. had Kareem play the co-pilot because in the in Zero Hour, the film that inspired Airplane, um, the, some like football player uh, plays the co-pilot and is just wooden and quite terrible. And um, Zaz were really entertained by this, so that's why they have an athlete in that role. And um, of course, that's the genesis of that scene too, where the kid comes up to visit the cockpit and then says, "You're Kareem." Um, I don't find that that funny, but that is one of the famous um, scenes from it. 
Why did Dad love it? Did he talk to you about it at all, or did he just laugh? Dad loved it because it was so freaking corny. Nobody's cornier than Dad. <laughs> I agree that it's very corny, but I think that it's ingenious in a, in a way that corny doesn't capture. Well, he loved it like he loves the Three Stooges. He loved it. I think it's more sophisticated than the Three Stooges, I have to say. And I think that they're, like, what about the running joke that are variations on this kind of conversation? Doctor, there's a phone call for you from the hospital. The hospital? What is it? It's a big building with patients, but that's not important right now, right? Um, Like, they do that same joke in different contexts three times. And I've seen the movie before. It's been a long time. Uh, they got me every time. Like, I did not <laughs> see it coming, um, even though it's the same setup and the same, but the back and forth is so snappy. And more to th- my point, the writers have such an intuitive sense of the rhythms of the English language and such a delight in playing with and tweaking those rhythms. Um, the script, to me, veers from total corn, as you say, to this sort of dippy beauty. Um, I don't know if they imagined in the silliest context to find some beautiful little um, corner of how the English language works. Um, and I really appreciate that about the writing. And that's why I think it is a cut above something that's just pure slapstick or pure corn. Uh, Mom, what is your grade for Airplane? Uh, I'm going to give it a very solid C. <laughs> okay, solid C. Yeah. Uh, Mom. Yes. What is your recommendation this week? Last week, uh, you had nothing for us. I did. And all the letters. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Uh, well, I'm going to recommend this week... Uh, a book that uh, a listener suggested for us, Stargirl by Jerry Spinelli, which I enjoyed so much. And I think it has a great life lesson in it for everyone. I It was an easy read. He writes so well. I couldn't stop turning the pages and I loved, loved the story. This was a recommendation that we... That we read on the show last week, right? Yeah. And you yeah. went right out and got it. This was Jan M's recommendation. Jan. Yeah. Wow. Now yeah. that's results. She sends the email, and a couple weeks later, boom, that's Mom's recommendation. Stargirl by Jerry Spinelli. Um, now I have another one, too, though. Oh, it's a, it's a bounty of riches this week. Okay. It is a bounty. I picked this book up in the library because I liked the way the cover was uh, all all done up in uh, plastic. Um, And it's called Barbie and Ruth by Robin Gerber. And it is the story of the woman that created Mattel and eventually the Barbie doll. And it's very interesting. A woman really driven to work uh, to the exclusion of her family, practically, and built this empire just by her determination. It talks a lot about how she found manufacturers and how the process of going through different materials as they became available. This was before 
uh, vinyl was readily available. Some of her quests were thwarted by the war for materials that were available to her. And just just a, a great story. It's, it's a good read and sort of enlightening. So that's my recommendation. Barbie and Ruth by who, Mom? Robin Gerber. Robin Gerber. That is the second of Mom's recommendations this week. Mom, did you see the Barbie movie? No, but I hope to. Okay, yeah. Maybe we'll talk about it on the podcast sometime. Um, Ray, have you I seen have it? seen it. Um, oh. Rhea Perlman uh, is in it as Ruth handler or the ghost of her oh. or whatever. Um, yeah, she gives a very, very boring speech to Barbie uh, near the end of the movie. One of a few excruciating moments in that motion picture. But like I said, <laughs> maybe we'll talk about it on the podcast uh, okay. someday. Uh, before we leave, Mom, I want to pass along another sort of recommendation, although one we can't really act on for the time being, uh, from okay. Ross C. writes in and says, I don't believe I've ever seen a show more tailor-made for your podcast, and that show is Mr. Bates versus the Post Office. Have you heard about oh, this? Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. This aired... Um, he says it in looks England. like it's available to stream from the BBC app. I'm not sure. I couldn't find it to um, screen in the United States yet, um, but it's... Do you have BritBox? Maybe it's on I Brit don't Box, have BritBox. I do like okay. to do things that are generally accessible to our audience, you know, that they can go find if they want to uh, view them themselves. So I hesitate to review this just yet, but once it is widely available... Um, here in the United States, Ross, we definitely want to look at Mr. Bates versus the post office. Have you heard about this? Uh, oh, yeah. So this, oh, now yeah. I already knew about this um, this scandal because um, in sort of the nerd forums that I read, it's a known thing about this computer software screw-up that really ruined people's lives in the uh, British uh, post office because these uh, district managers were being accused of um, stealing money, basically, because yeah. the computer was losing track of the money. And the post office just refused to admit there was a problem with the computer, but it turns out there was, and it's a huge scandal now. Wow. And, and there's suddenly this rapid uptick in the scope and speed of action being taken uh, in response to this scandal because of this show that uh, just aired a couple of weeks ago, Mr. Bates versus the post office, which dramatized the um, scandal. It's really awful, awful. It's... Um, dystopian uh, thing that happened and you just feel for these people who are good, honest public servants just being yeah. chewed up by this bureaucracy and by technology. Ooh. I can see why people responded emotionally to the story itself, but we haven't seen Mr. Bates versus the post office. Thank you, Ross, for writing in. We're going to keep an eye out. And if it does come to the States, as I'm sure it's will, uh, it will because it's such a big deal. Yeah. We'll talk about it here on the podcast. He also says he's enjoying the new episodes of Pop Mom very much. Welcome back. Thanks, Ross. Oh, thank Welcome you. Welcome back to you. Uh, that now will do it for this edition of Pop Mom. This episode of the podcast was edited by Scott Jones. Mom and I will be back soon to talk about more pop culture. Um, what should we talk about, Mom? 
Well, we have talked about a lot of things, but I think we should come up with something interesting. All right. Well, next time we'll come up with something interesting. Uh, Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the show, tell your friends. And we love to get email. That address is popmom at ological.net. Talk to us about anything. Anything. We love you. Mom and I will talk to you again next week. Bye for now, Mom. Bye, Johnny. I love you. Love you, too.